if you have an idea, write it down. Especially if you want to write, you got to write every day. You got to work at those skills. And you have to show and demonstrate that you have skills and ability. You can't ask, okay? Because if I would have asked to write that book, it never would have happened. But I had shown skill and ability. So basically, I had something that I could offer, something that here's what I have done. And they found it. And, and they contacted me. So that's how it all came and together. There's that marketing lesson and I, again. Insurance dudes are on a mission to escape being handcuffed by our agencies. How? By uncovering the secrets to creating a predictable, consistent, and profitable agency sales machine. I am Craig Pretzinger. I am Jason Feldman. We are agents. We are insurance, insurance dudes. Mike, so what have you seen in trends as far as like industries that are going for more now uh, compared to ones that are just falling, falling off, going yeah. lower? Well, M&A is, and this is a, another, uh, a, I think, a, a Bill Snowism. M&A is microeconomic. Everybody likes to focus on the macro. What's going on in the economy? And the macro can certainly have an impact on a micro aspect of economics, micro being a single company, right? So certainly something that goes on in the economy can have a, can hurt the micro, but, but a bad economy and a strong growing company with good profits and management team that's going to stick around. So it's a good, good, strong company, but the economy is bad. That good company in a bad economy will trade and probably at a premium because it's just tough to find good assets. And the, mm. uh, conversely, the other side of that is a weak company, a bad company, declining sales, it's losing money, management is fleeing, all kinds of issues and problems, but the economy is going great gangbusters. I don't care how good the economy is. If the company is struggling and in a downward spiral, you're going to struggle to find bids or certainly bids that will be palatable to the seller. So focus on the company. So if you've got something the focus should be on the strength of the underlying asset, not so much about the the greater economy. Again, greater economy can certainly have an impact on the micro. What what do you advise companies that are are planning for an exit? Like what what should they do to to really start bolstering up the um, all those things that you just mentioned? Yeah, yeah. For for companies, this probably I'm going to guess doesn't apply in the uh, insurance business and the agencies. But there, there's a couple things that we. We, we focus on. Ideally, you want to have an outside accounting firm do your statement. So you have to hire these people who don't want to talk to people. And they're very happy because they'll just look at numbers all day long and they'll put together. You want to have either a review or an audit. Okay. Ideally, two years, especially if you have any anything called inventory, because you want the accountants there observing the amount of inventory at the end of the year and also the beginning of the year. This way they can say, this is an unqualified opinion. We have no qualifications to this. It's unqualified. So you want two years of audits or reviews. We're really pushing uh, business owners to do a, it's called a quality of earnings report. So uh, an audit or a review will set up this horrible acronym. Uh, it's a client that once called it EBITDABADU. All right. So this, this EBITDA stuff, right? For real? It's not, yeah. Yeah. EBITDABADU. Yeah. No, no, he called it that. He was joking, of course, because he thought it was silly. So EBITDA, <laughs> so audits and reviews set up EBITDA, right? Which is not even a gap term and it's not even cash flow. It's just me- meant to be a way to measure companies on an apples for apples basis, right? If you take away uh, taxes and, and the need to make uh, capital investment and, and so forth and, and so forth, right? 
Um, you don't have to borrow money and pay interest on it. What what would the cash flow of the business be like? So that's and, and it makes sense. What's going on is a focus on adjusted EBITDA. So you've got kind of an Uber non-gap uh, accounting measurement, adjusted EBITDA. So what are adjustments? Uh, adjusting for owner-related expenses. Maybe the owner is taking out taking a big salary. You can hire a new president for less than what the, the current owner is making. So you can make an adjustment there. So basically expenses that go away once the deal is done, one-time only, truly one-time only expenses. And, and, and that's valid, but the problem is that this has taken on a life of its own. And so you'll see these adjustments where you see the, the EBITDA, and then you see these massive adjustments in every single month. Thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars in adjustments, and it might be different stuff, but they're adding back everything. And any buyer's going to say, "Wait a minute, okay, yeah, that's one time only, but it seems like every month you have a one time <laughs> only expense for forty, fifty thousand dollars." <laughs> I'm just going to have to keep that in because I'm going to—I don't know what it is, something else—but I'm going to have forty or fifty grand. So uh, this adjusted EBITDA, you have to be careful. It's a bit of a Frankenstein's monster that's being used today. That makes sense. What what about uh, owner operated versus uh, non owner operated? Sure. Can you give me maybe a little more context in the in the question? Uh, valuation, like, v- yeah, valuation. I don't know, like how much people, like how how many buyers are in the market yeah. for companies that are you know run by the owner. Yeah, a lot. I mean, well, it depends on what what the company is, and and then the size of the company. But you you do raise a very good point. You know, the owner operated versus maybe a company that's owned by a private equity firm, and so and this is an issue that we'll see with with businesses. So somebody owns a business. It's a you know manufacturing. They're they're making some. You know, they're bending metal or doing something, and it, it's a nice business and good revenue and and, and real good profits. And, and the owner's made a real nice life for him or herself. The problem with those. It, a potential problem is an owner who is viewed as integral to the ongoing success. So you've got that person who has all the sales relationships, who oversees all the administration, who hires and fires everybody, who deals with the bank, who handles all the, the production and designer over okays this and tells all the engineers and designers what to do. So you take that person out of the mix. What do you have left? And and that's the, the and it's a bitter pill sometimes for uh, for entrepreneurs because they're so used to being the middle and they're great they're great at all these things and they built a great business, but if they are viewed as integral to the ongoing success of the business, that is going to put a downward pressure on the price that somebody else might pay for that business. So what I tell business owners: make yourself expendable. If you're not needed to run the business day to day, the business is going to be worth a lot more. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. What would you say for a lot of insurance agents like to get into other industries? So for any entrepreneur that's looking to get into a new industry and and perhaps just buy a business, um, what are some things to look for, especially in this like day and age? Sure. Sure. Well, 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 the question is, why would they want to buy a business? You know, what sort of business do they want? Are they just looking to make a lot of money and not do any work? Well, you know, get in line. Everybody is trying to do that. They think they're <laughs> the smartest guy in the world. Hey, you know what? No one's ever thought of this. Yeah. I could buy a company and, and, and not pay a lot for it, but make a lot of money and not have to do any work. That's Everybody has that same idea. Okay. It's <laughs> not going to happen. You're going to have to work, work really hard when you buy. So you want to figure out what am I looking to do? What do I like to do? Why do I want to make an acquisition? 
is it just to 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 diversify my my holdings or you know and, and there's no right or wrong but you have to look inward and, and figure out why you want to buy this company and then the next thing you have to realize is when you buy a company or try to buy a company acquisition work in my view is divided into three main buckets search negotiate and finance let's take those in reverse order finance is usually the easiest you can get money you have money uh you can get some family member you can tell them some sort of sob story and they'll write a check for a couple hundred grand okay you can get money if you need it right even in the higher interest rates it was a little easier a few years ago but money especially if you have a a going concern especially if you have a business you probably have capital or access to it a a bank will, will loan you some money so money is usually not the issue uh, negotiating, that's the fun part of putting the deals together. That's what I like the best. The most difficult of this acquisition is the search. And I call that, this is a very technical term. You guys might want to write this down. I call it brain damage work. Yeah. It is terrible, terrible work. Calling up business owners, hey, I've got money and I want to buy your company. You know, click. They, they, they hear this all day long. And so trying to find a good company, because if you do talk to somebody that wants to sell a business, they probably have a, you know some sort of problem. Yeah, I'd love to sell it to you. And it's probably the FBI is knocking on his door for some sort of ghost payroll or, you know, he, he put his mom in front of a, you know, called it a woman owned business. And, you know, there's, I've, I've seen situations like that, you know, so they hey, get me out of this thing. Um, so why are they talking to you? So you want to understand that. So trying to find a good company uh, for sale, and an owner who's reasonable. Because if you don't have to sell, if you love what you're doing and you make good money and someone calls you up, I want to buy your company, what am I going to do with myself? I got plenty of money. I make good money from this thing. You couldn't offer that person enough money. And that puts some added pressure on simply trying to find good companies to buy. Yeah, makes sense. What, what about like, there's so many baby boomers that, you know, businesses that are going to be closing here or, or just moving on or, or whatever. Um, They've been saying that for 20 years. Yeah, but you see like less and less, I, I guess, less and less buyers. I mean, people aren't having as many kids. Um, so it just seems like there's going to be a lot more inventory than buyers. What are some ways to get in front of them that that you see? Yeah, yeah. well, that, that's, you know, that's something that, that people have been forecasting, like I said, for, for a couple of decades. All these baby boys, they're going to be retiring and, you know, all these companies hasn't happened. Yeah. Right, they're holding on to their companies, or they maybe work out a discreet deal with one of their managers, and they don't go to market. They don't call somebody like me. Uh, it's not marketed. So those things, or they they pass it along to the kids. They, you know, a, a junior's completed rehab, and he's he's not sniffing coke anymore, and uh, he's we're we're, we're going to trust him. <laughs> we're 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 going to trust baby Huey, who's been living in the basement, and he's forty years old. <laughs> that that he's he's turned a corner, and he can run he's the business now. here. Yeah, we. Yeah, that's what he says. It, it was a, it was a lost twenty years, but he's, you know, he's. It was a long weekend, but he's back. So, you know, that that kind of stuff is is going on too. Um, you know, how do you if you want to buy a company? That that's a great question, and you just can't say I've got money and I want to buy you. You've got to have something else, and come up with a thesis. That's that's one of the things that we've used. What's a thesis? Something other than saying I got money and I want to buy you. So we've got a client and they see something in the industry and let me give, give you a couple ideas. Hey, why don't we get together? I'll buy you lunch or we can talk on the phone or take you golfing and, and talk about this. I'd like to talk to you because you, business owner, are an expert. Let me know if my client or my notion of what's going on specifically in your business holds water. So something going on in your business, the uh, collapse of the multiples, you know, you can call up a, a, a an owner of a, a insurance 
a firm, a brokerage firm, and say, hey, you know, are you seeing the same thing too? I've got a couple ideas on this. You know, I'd love to get together. Can I buy you a sandwich sometime? Or, you know, do you play golf or can we go do something else? So if you can talk about something else and have something useful, it's it's a it's a, a philosophy that I have, which is offer something. Stop asking. The whole world is asking, right? You mm. got to offer something. And so if you can couch your approach in an offer, sincere offer, um, you have a greater chance that somebody will engage you in a discussion. And then if you're artful enough and, and creative enough and quick enough, maybe you can steer that conversation into what that person wants to do. And then maybe you're having a, a real discussion about acquiring the company, but it's, it, it's, it's far, far more difficult than, than it sounds like that. It's, it's easier said than done. I love it. Going back yeah. to the marketing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Bingo. You know, I was golfing a few years ago here in, in suburban Chicago and, um, uh, executive at one of the banks around here, I, I know, uh, took a couple of people out to to his country club, nice country club out in, in the suburbs. And he says, Bill, here's the guy you're going to be playing with. It was a, a former PE guy. He was on his own. He was looking to buy a company. And I knew where this conversation was going. So I'm driving the cart, get to know him a little bit, wait a couple holes. And I say, so you want to buy a company? How's it going? And he just kind of shrunk like this. <laughs> and he said, it's a lot more difficult than I thought. <laughs> and, and, because he was used to, you know, people like me calling him and saying, here's, here's a, here's a one pager on this company. Are you interested in looking at this? So he didn't know what to do. This guy had a membership at Medina, which is a high end, fancy, uh, country club here. Everybody wants to play it. They, they sometimes have PGA events there. So it's a fancy thing. And I said, how many business owners have you invited and taken out golfing at your fancy mm -hmm. country club? And he laughed at me. Why would I want to do something like that? I said, you got a golden ticket, man. You know, you call up enough business owners, you have a thesis, something to talk about. If you segue, hey, do you golf? Okay, not everyone's going to take you up on this, but if you do this enough, maybe you get a few people, you take golfing and you get to know them in a social uh, situation, not just business over the phone. And if you're artful enough, maybe you can develop that rapport and that relationship. What are you doing with the company? And maybe that leads to you being able to acquire the company you've got to do creative things like that but he you know sounds like work that, that's that's the main reason people don't do things sounds like work why would i want to do it <laughs> work hanging out at the golf course meeting people that's yeah tough. i've got tough clients work. on the golf course it's it's yeah. it's it's tough work guys someone's got to do it someone yeah has to. <laughs> someone has Ser to. seriously if you want to do what i do you learn learn to play golf because there, there are two types of people in the world those who can golf and those who can't yeah. And the further you get in your career, I'm sorry if you guys don't play golf, but you don't want to be the guy that says, no, I'm sorry, I don't play golf. Even if you're not good, as long as you know the etiquette and you keep pace. Because yeah. the most important score in golf, people always think it's, you know, writing 75 or 90 or whatever you get. The most important score, the most important number in golf is time. Okay. Because you want to play, but you don't want to spend all day. So you want to get done as quickly as possible. Probably because it's torture. Right. <laughs> so if you know how to play and you can play quickly and, and you fix your ball marks and you know all that etiquette, you are in the club, man, because you know how to golf. Even if you have a horrendous score, you know, at least you look like you know what you're doing. So I implore anybody who wants to be in business right. in advance, learn to play golf. All you need yeah. to do is bring yeah. 90 balls and yeah. just yeah. every time that you hit one, just go up a 200 yards and drop one yeah, and, you, and, you, you, and you'll be good. You, you, okay. you could do that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a, you know, full contact golf. You know, you, you can try that. <laughs> I've, I've, I listen, a guy I golf with it has injured himself. It's absolutely hilarious. At least on two occasions has injured himself very horribly by hitting a golf ball. 
one time into a tree stump and it hit his leg and down he went. I thought he broke his shin. And then another time somehow he mishit the ball and it bounced up right into his mouth and it cut his lip open. Oh. Uh, so I, he, he holds the world record for the most grievous injuries inflicted by his own struck golf ball. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. So that's there, there's certain there's certain goals you want to have in life too. And amazing. That's, that's not one of them that I want. Yeah. Okay. I got to use those marketing skills of my wife to get me to allow me to golf. Oh, oh, I got I got the solution there. Okay. This is this this, this is what you tell her, and it's something my, my father used to to say. Uh, he 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 passed away a few years ago, so I, he won't sue me for for uh, for plagiarizing him. But he would say. Because he, he enjoyed golf. He was in business and he did well. And he said, you know, a man has time for, for three things in his life, career, family, and one hobby, if you want to be good at it. You know, these guys that want to play golf and then be a great tennis player and go skiing and go horseback riding and have a powerboat and a sailboat and, and ride a motorcycle and, you know, on and on and on. These are all great pastimes. There's nothing wrong with any of those pastimes. But if you want to have a level of proficiency and have a career in family, you can't have six or seven hobbies and be good at them. You, you can only choose one. So tell her, I'm going to choose golf for, for career purposes. Okay, see if you can sell that. Now, here's the downside. I told like a young that. guy who's, who was getting married. You can't sell yeah. that. Oh, oh well, th th this is the problem because I told, I, I told a young guy who used to work for me to do that, and he tried it. He came to work on Monday. I said, well, how'd it go? What did she say? And he said, yeah, it's terrible. Now she wants to play golf with me. So you oh. have to be careful <laughs> that, that she doesn't want to learn to play golf because well, that's yeah, the last thing you can't make it sound too fun. Right, right. He oversold. He oversold his card. No, it's it's awful. It's uh, yeah, no, no. Oh, sure, sounds golf. You want to play golf every weekend? I'll join you. Teach me yeah. how. Yeah, what, what a disaster. <laughs> the, the, the poor kid. They, they married when... him, a kid, and he's probably walking. He's he's walking around the suburbs somewhere holding her purse. I mean, that, that's what's happening. It's just been terrible. <laughs> Dude, I, I went, my wife and I went to the golf course one time. It was probably 20, I mean, it had to be late 90s. Probably. It was a long-ass time ago, yeah, and yeah, yeah. it was the one time. Like, it turned into a terrible argument, you know. <laughs> I mean, I had very low emotional intelligence, and and she had a very bad swing. So, yeah. you know, oh, oh, God. It just oh, God. No, no, you, yeah. you got you got to put your your foot yeah. down no no yeah, i mean right. some some, 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 yeah. some women you know if, if they're good at golf that, that's great that that's fine yeah you know most most would rather oh i'm gonna get in trouble here they, yeah. these are jokes yeah. everybody say them all the time yeah. here but you know they, they, they want to go to stores yeah. and, and buy you know picture frames and candles and pillows and and i i have a, a special lady friend and, and she has two of those three curses so everything except the picture frames believe me there's every time i go there to her house there's more more candles and, and more pillows all over the place. So yeah, that, <laughs> yes. that's, what, that's what she's, that's what she's good at. Yeah. yeah. Bill, this has been funny, uh, <laughs> informative. I think you wrote a book. Oh, let me show you. I don't think we oh, mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. Right oh, there. Oh, Look at that. How'd you get past the copyright thing? Yeah. How did, how did you get a hold of that? Yeah. They, they contacted me. I wrote something else <laughs> and why that, that's how I got it. If, so if what was the other thing? Them, I wrote a, a book on, on venture capital. I was upset about business meeting that did not go well. And I, I had an article idea and I thought I'll finish the article and it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I thought, well, I'll make it a book. So I made it even bigger. And then I wove a narration through it. And I had some fun with it. And I called it Venture Capital 101, which you can still buy on Amazon, probably still has some typos. And so it's a little booklet. I just gave it away as a PDF. I didn't know what to do with it. This was yeah. 20, 20, year, 20 years ago. And that went all over the internet. 
And I was a very, very, very minor viral hit before that was a term. And people were, were contacting me with good offers and bad offers and a lot of crazy stuff. So it was kind of interesting. Oh, cool. And and I remember thinking if I knew what I was doing, I could do something with this. And a few years later, I morphed into the middle market investment banking world. And then a couple of years after that, that little PDF I gave away for free ended up at Wiley Publishing. So they contacted me to write a book. And the lesson there is, if you have an idea, write it down especially if you want to write, you got to write every day. You got to work at those skills and you have to show and demonstrate that you have skills and ability. You can't ask. Okay. Cause if I would have asked to write that book, it never would have happened, but right. I had shown skill and ability. So basically I had something that I could offer something that here's what I have done and they found it and, and they contacted me. So that's how it all came and together. There's that marketing lesson I, again, that free yeah. offer marketing lesson. That is the theme of this. There you go. And the asking, like asking all your, all you're going to get is, is shitty advice from everybody, right? Like your friends are going to tell you, dude, you can't write a book and you're, you know, the enemies are going to say, why would you spend your time? You know, you're never going to get good feedback. I, I, I get, I get people that, that say that all the time. Why would you do something like that? And of course, I don't care what they they say. I did it for myself. And, and as, as a writer, what, what that taught me, I was in my early forties when I did that that I am a writing preferenced learner. And I guess I've always known that, but actually working through that, an industry that I knew well by that time and I'd had some success at it, having to think through all yeah. the steps of why we do and then explain it helped me uncover more ideas and learning. And so I learned more about my industry by having to write 300 plus pages about it sure. and, and put that together. So I'm, I'm very, very fortunate. And because of that, I was contacted by uh, some groups overseas. So before the pandemic, I was speaking overseas. I was going to Dubai and Malaysia and doing presentations. I was in discussions to go elsewhere. Hopefully that comes back. But I never would have gotten that if I would have asked. They were looking for speakers on a certain subject. They found my book and they contacted me. So again, if I would have looked for that, never would have happened. But I had something to offer and then people come to me with with ideas too. So it's been the most valuable um, career bit of advice that I've taught myself and I try and tell that to everybody else. Have yeah. something to offer. Stop asking. Have something to offer. Yeah, we we have we finished mic drop a book and it is at the publisher right now. Oh, so good. you're not supposed good. like oh it's not there's no book and it's not <laughs> at the publisher. Well you you can do that today very easily with all the the tools yeah. and Dude, we, we can talk talk offline i'll tell you that it was easy i don't know that it was easy so here's the thing this is what's funny we started writing this two years ago right so oh, we're yeah. Yeah, sure so all of the frame like all of the hard part it's, was done before ai could organize our brains and yeah. now it's like Dude, the tools that are out, it's like crazy. What would help us have, have at least at the beginning phases, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. it yeah. definitely can't write it, you know, no. but it, it can give a good idea. It can really help with ideas. It's so quick, you know? Yeah. 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 But, I, I, it's, that's the devil's tool. You want to stay away from that. <laughs> it's, 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 it's right up, right up there with, with mayonnaise, you know, disgusting things <laughs> like that. You know, it's, mayonnaise is, is devil's snot, is what I call that. And the AI, I think that's the tool of the devil. Stay away from that, kids. What happens um, if you ask mayonnaise questions to? It's, you don't want to do that. It is just absolutely <laughs> like crossing the, the streams and Ghostbusters. It is. It is. Yeah. It's. It's even worse than that. It's just the most revolting thing ever. So yeah, you. You, you want to stay away in the AI. I don't know. You know. I, I get so tired now, and I'm like a cranky 
son of a gun now, and I'm I'm glad I'm old now because I was always cranky. Also, I always look forward to being older. But <laughs> the, the I get I get a lot of LinkedIn contacts, and, I, and no doubt people will send me LinkedIn contacts. And and you can tell that you're not talking or communicating with an actual person. It's it's a bot. It's AI. And and I just find that so insulting. And so I have a test now, and and at some point. AI will figure this out. So when I suspect it's AI, I just type gibberish. I just make up words by random letters that you cannot pronounce, but I make it kind of look like a sentence, put an exclamation point in it, and then I send that. If it's a person, they'll respond with a question mark. The AI does not know how to process that. I'm sure they'll they'll figure out how to, how to deal with jerks like me, but I, I do that almost every day, and it stops them in the tracks. Well, dude, that'll like train it. That's great because you're train untraining it, essentially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so at, at some point I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll figure that out. So the next step is to load up your, your social media because they're scraping your social media with just a bunch of junk and, and just nonsense. So that's the problem I think with AI, it's, it's just a classic computer program, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how quick it is, but garbage in garbage out, right? AI, write a book. Okay. Until yeah. AI says, I want to write a book and it's going to be on this subject until it can come up right. with that on its own volition, it, it's not it's not real artificial intelligence. Just a really quick, cool program that can do a lot of stuff. Right there, you go. Cool man. Yeah, how the, how can anyone get a hold of you? Like if they can, they go to my to website. They go to my website, BillSnow.com, or some people like to say BillsNow.com. <laughs> you can you can Bill's find now. me pretty easy. Bills Now. Uh, you can find <laughs> me pretty easily on LinkedIn and even Twitter. And uh, if you send me an interesting message i i might respond and hopefully it won't be too snarky <laughs> or hopefully it will yeah well I mean, I, I why know, do we I, even have to label it i uh yeah i i i sometimes will uh uh you know fire back because people are oh, wait hold on a second uh hold on a second guys i have uh we, we got to wrap up here i've, I've we had gotta some, wrap. let's wrap yeah, yeah. Gotta wrap up here wrap up here Thank wrap it thank you so much thanks guys gotta go we were installing windows today thanks guys See ya.